Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I was uh, reminded today how good you have it coming here and listening to all this good teaching. <laughs> that, that I'm only passing, that I, let me finish, that I'm only passing down, all right? Uh, I sat... Um, in the lunchroom across from a young lady at, at Christ for the Nations today who was asking me some questions about the goodness of God. And when uh, she's from Brazil, and she said that her little brother, uh, when he was two years old, had fallen into their pool and drowned. And so there was a lot of um, things that she heard about God during this time. And one of the things that she continued to hear was that, you know, this was God needed her, him in heaven, and um, this was, it was just time to go because God has everybody in appointed time to go and those kinds of things, and God knows greater than us and all that kind of stuff. And so she was, she said, all my life, I've always been told that when we come across things we don't understand, stuff happens. She said, I've always just been taught and told, and I believe, because that's all I ever heard, was that this wasn't God's sovereign plan, and He knows what's best, and, and that's it. And she said, but <clears throat> sitting here listening to you tell me that that's not God, and that God does not take pleasure in young people dying, and He doesn't take pleasure in destruction and evil in the earth. He hates all of it. The scripture says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. What did Jesus come and do? He came and did good. The scripture says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all. Healing is good. It follows good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. The devil's the one who steals, kills, and destroys, and God is the one who gives life. And I said, yeah, I said, I, I know I'm, I'm sorry that you've and this is the first time ever in her life, she's in her 20s, right? First time ever she's even heard this aspect of God, the biblical view of God, the, the view of God that Jesus came to bring us. And here she is raised in the Christian environment, went to a Christian school all of her life, and yet had bad teaching. And so she was bound to think this about God, and there was this continual fear of him as a result, thinking, well, any minute he could, if he decides, just kill me. But I watched as this young lady, as we sat in the lunchroom today, and I just share, I, I watched her just get free. And by the end of the conversation, she was just rejoicing and thanking God and thanking God that he is good and, and the Bible is the truth. And what she's been taught all those years was bogus, it wasn't from the scripture. And I said, I said, here's the thing. I said, it's not that any things that you've been taught have been evil intent towards you. It's just the, the problem with man. The problem with our thinking is if we can't understand it, we will make up a reason so that we can pretend to understand it. We do that continually. Rather than look what, what the Scripture says and what it's taught us, we come up with phrases like, well, God knows all and, you know, well, Okay, this must have been in his will. No, 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 no. 
So we try to fill in the blanks by our own reasoning, and you can never reason the things of the Spirit through this mind. It has to be a revelation from God for us to really understand. And so God has given us revelation in giving us His Scripture. And that's what we're going to jump into tonight is the book of Nahum, N-A-H-U-M, Nahum, and we're going to look also at Habakkuk, or as a good friend of mine used to say, Habakkuk. Nahum and Habakkuk. Now, Nahum is where we are really going to focus on the attraction um, tonight aspect in our, in our map as we are charting through uh, the books of the Bible on our Route 66. And let me just give you a little background. We're going we're gonna to begin at reading in Nahum chapter 1 and verse 1 in just a moment. But the word, the Hebrew name Nahum means uh, comfort or consolation. And uh, the theme of the prophecy is the fate and the destruction of the city of Nineveh. Y'all remember that, that story, right? With Jonah. And the, uh, at the time, Nineveh was the capital city of uh, Assyria. And it was a booming place. It was a massive, massive, massive city. And uh, it, it had, uh, the Assyrian Empire had destroyed Israel and taken many inhabitants uh, of the land captive. So this message was proclaimed to Judah, which is really cool, which is, as we know, is the southern kingdom, and because uh, the ten tribes of Israel, the northern kingdom, had already been taken into captivity. So now he's speaking to Judah, and his, uh, his announcement to them was one of comfort and one of consolation, uh, and it predicted the downfall of Assyria, which was a very cruel enemy to Israel and Judah. So 150 years earlier, God had sent Jonah to Nineveh, and remember, gave him the, the, the news, and the news was, yet in 40 days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And that was all the message he was there to preach. And yet, they believed God, and they, they repented, and then God changed his mind. He, he repented. He, they repented, and then God repented, and then he, he did not destroy Nineveh. And then 150 years later, Nahum comes up, because within that 150-year span of time, Nineveh has gone awry. All right, and so arise, not that they were just, you know, in sin themselves, but they were sinning against other nations, and they were collecting spoils and gold from other nations and, and forming all kinds of enemies uh, through thievery and, and, and robbing them and killing them and just so much injustice, and uh, of course, through idol worship as well. There are all those kinds of things are listed here, and uh, so now... Um, God has, has, has held back his judgment because initially they repented, but now it's time for it to come. And so now this burden of Nineveh has come upon Nahum's heart by God and his prophecy. It graphic, graphically foretells uh, the, the complete desolation of these people who had oppressed the Jews. So let's look at Nahum chapter 1. And we're going to read in verse 1. And you can outline it. This is three chapters, all right? And just a small little outline I could give you. Uh, the first chapter uh, is, is Nineveh is judged, all right? The second chapter, Nineveh is sentenced. <laughs> and the third chapter, Nineveh is executed, all right? 
So it's a real happy book. <laughs> Unless you live in Nineveh. Nahum 1, 1 through 3, The Burden Against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. So far, so bad. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Wow. So he opens up with this description of who he is, what he's about to do, and that he is an avenger, and he is one who avenges his own people. This is what brought comfort and consolation to Judah, knowing that God was there to defend them. And he was going to make right what had all gone wrong through Nineveh and through the Assyrian Empire. So now... Uh, within the span of 20, 20 to 40 years or so, after Nehemiah gave this prophecy, Nineveh was wiped off the map by the Babylonians and the Medes. And uh, the uh, prediction was that a sudden rise in the level of the uh, Tigris River, which, which ran right by Nineveh, uh, would cause a breach in the wall. So what we'll, I want to do now is look at Nineveh, <laughs> Nineveh Nahum chapter 1. Let's look at verse 8, all right? Now, this is, the, this is the prophet speaking, talking about the destruction that would come upon Nineveh. He says, the Lord is good. No, no, one verse 8. Yeah, but with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. If you go over to chapter 2 and verse 6, uh, also see the gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. So uh, in vivid and dramatic detail, uh, uh, Nahum describes the battle scenes and the subsequent destruction of Nineveh through chapter 2 and also into chapter 3 where he talks about heaps of human bodies uh, would be piled up in the streets including children dashed into pieces. Uh, it's, it's just really graphic. Survivors then would be led away into captivity. And this all came to pass exactly as Nahum had predicted. Uh, he also said that the city would never rise again to, into prominence. And for many years, the existence of Nineveh was uncertain, even uh, regarded as a myth, until these archaeologists were digging uh, in the mid-1800s, around 1840, somewhere around there, and they found it. And uh, all along the city, uh, buried under layers of earth, and the archaeologists uncovered the, the ruins. And now they are able to confirm today with certainty that Nineveh existed, proving the authenticity of the city Jonah and Nahum were both told to prophesy against. Also, they, they, by looking at the ruins, they can track that what Nahum said as far as its destruction with the flood in that time frame all lines up with history, that that's exactly how it was destroyed. 
and the wall was breached, and that's how, because they had several, I mean, 100 feet walls in, in the inner part of Nineveh. It was something like uh, uh, three miles uh, to walk through it, and then it had an inner, inner part that was, that was surrounded by 100-foot walls, and they say that that flood came in and breached that wall because they said it was something like four chariots could be side by side on top of this wall. And so uh, now that the floodwaters came in and broke it all to pieces, the, the, the Babylonians and the Medes stormed the place, and uh, the rest is history. And it was wiped off the planet. There were no, no remains. That's all we have now, but it's all under the earth. And what God had said through his prophet literally became true. It's an enormous thing, but God, I want to look at chapter 1, verse 7 now. And this is the comfort that comes to Judah. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Don't you know that they felt like no one, that God did not know where they were? After they had been so severely treated uh, by the Assyrians, uh, specifically the Ninevites, that they felt as if God had abandoned them and forgotten them. But here the prophet comes to bring good news. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows where you are. He knows who you are, and the day of vengeance is coming. Amen. All right? Amen. So that was uh, a great, great comfort. So that's basically uh, Nahum uh, in a nutshell. But this also, verse 7, is also a picture of Christ, who is our stronghold, who is our strong tower, that those who are in Him, the Scripture says, we're in Him. What happens if you're in Him? Well, there is no day of wrath coming upon you. That day of wrath, because now you are hidden in Christ. There is no judgment coming on you. No, because now you're hidden. There is no condemnation that can find you. Why? Because you are in Him. Romans 8 opens up with, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. He's that stronghold. And he knows those who are his. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. And he said, no one can snatch them out of my hand. David said it like this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means I lack for nothing. I am completely perfected. I am totally complete because I belong to him. Now, let's take a moment. Did y'all hear that amen? She helps me preach. Now, I want to now focus on Habakkuk, and here's where we're, gonna, we're going to look at our memento, all right? Habakkuk chapter 2. Everybody all right? Yeah. Habakkuk chapter 2, and we're going to uh, begin in verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. And make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, the reason the Lord said this is because chapter 1 opens up with him asking God questions. And he's, a, he's, he's asking questions in a way that he's a kind of interceding for Israel. And then God answers him. And then he asks another question. And then God answers. And then he goes and waits for the answer. And so now he's at this place where he wants to hear from God. And then God comes to him, and this is what he says. Answered and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, 
that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In other words, what he's saying to you, it's tarrying. But I'm telling you, wait for it, because from me, from my perspective, it's not tarrying. It will surely come. Just like when Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Well, he said that 2,000 years ago. His quick and my quick are two different things. (laughs) All right, Lord, well, how quick is that exactly? One of the things that, the best things that you can do for your own life is to simplify things. And one of the things that you can do to really express your desires, because we have all kinds of things in our heart, things that we think about, things that we dream about, but many times we don't write these things down. They just kind of boil around in this, and we just kind of stay in this wanting and desiring place and sighing kind of place, but if you'll determine to write out what it is, that is in your heart. Write it out. Let your eyes see it. Then this thing becomes more than just a thought or a wish or a hope, but now it begins to get established in your life. That's why the scriptures, that's why the word of God is not only spoken, but it is also written. Because now we judge everything that is spoken by what is written. Jesus told Satan, it is written. Right? Which means it's established. You know that we are free people, that we are a free nation because it is written. Right? So this here says, write the vision and make it plain. Now, if you've got time to, you know, chisel it on tablets, good luck with that. Have fun with that, but, you know, or just write it out. That he may run who reads it. And when you see it with your own eyes then you can begin to declare that thing clearly over your life rather than just it being some vague thing in your heart. All right, are you hearing me? So write out, what, it is that, what is it that you desire? What is, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your, your, your career, uh, when it comes to your own health, your own body, your family, what, what is it that you see? What is it that you in your heart see, see but you don't see out here, but you would like to see out here in your life? Write it out. Write it out. I need a new car. Well, what kind of car? What kind of car do you want? I, I should like to buy a house. Well, what kind of house do you want? Write it out. You got to write these things out. Get specific with it. God likes specific things. He does. Like supplications. It's one of the things, supply, but the word supplication also means specific things. God wants to hear the specific things because he likes to talk these things out with you. He doesn't want to just hear vague prayers from you. How do you get to know someone? You get to know them through the details of their life, right? So God wants to be, he's, he's intricately involved and interested in what you really, really want. Give me the color. How much square footage? You know, what size engine? All those kinds of things. Imagine that God is also interested in that too. All right? Write it out. 
Okay, let's, let's continue. And then, and, then, and then declare when you do that, verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, I will wait for it because it will surely come. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the span of time that goes by. The truth is, why? Because we're not people who are governed by time. In one sense we are, because we live in this body, but in the spirit realm we're governed by faith in God. All right, And that faith in God has the ability to come in and interrupt this span of time. All right, And it can, it can make time, maybe years lost, as Jesus showed us in changing the water into wine, which takes time. He did it in an instance. And faith can bring you into that realm where time is not a boundary. Time is not a limitation to it. So we, we then walk by Faith. Now watch this. Remember, remember what? Ab- how long? How long did it take Abraham to have his first child? From the moment God started talking to him about children, do you remember this? Twenty-five years. And he was seventy-five when he got the first message about his child. Uh, Lord, I'm not getting any younger. And it's already ridiculous that you're telling a 75-year-old man. But when he is 100, that's when Isaac was born. Isn't that something? But let me say something here and remind you of this story of Abraham and, and his faith in God. 24 years God had spoken to him. 24 years. But when Abraham started saying what God said, one year later. See, his faith in God sped it up. Once he got it in his own mouth, in his own heart, it got him to the promise. Amen. So we can either hear about these promises and just read the word and say, that's nice, or we can activate that promise in our own heart, in our own mouth, and see it actually come to fruition in our lives, and see it manifested. Amen. Pastor Eric, that's really good. I know, I know, I know it is good. Verse 4, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. Now watch this, but the just shall live by faith. Now isn't that extraordinary? This is the first time this phrase is seen in the scriptures. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. Who knew, even then, even Habakkuk, how could he have possibly known that Paul the Apostle would shape the gospel around that phrase right there? The gospel that we believe today. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from what? Faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. I love this verse of scripture. Now Paul is bringing a lot of correction in this chapter because he had taught the the Galatian church the, the pure gospel of Christ and taught them about the Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And then when he comes back, he gets news 
that there are these who had come in to try to make them live by the law. Right? Now look what he says here. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Look what it says. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now watch, let's, can we get 39 up there too? I didn't give you that verse. Miss Lisa. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I'm going to guess that's what it says. Huh. Word for word. Okay. <laughs> but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Beautiful. Okay. Now, what does that tell us? I think it's interesting that all those places where it's written, the just shall live by faith, I'm talking about in the New Testament, Paul's talking about the first time about that gospel. And it says, the gospel, what does the gospel do? The just shall live by faith. This speaks of our justification to everyone who believes. Then it says, no one is justified by the works of the law, for the just shall live by faith. Now, this is talking about our deeds, all right? Our deeds. And our deeds are not done because we do and we shall not and we shall. Our deeds are done because we walk by faith, because we believe God, right? And because we believe Him, then we live a life that is pleasing to Him because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And then we have this one, verse 38 of this chapter that says that the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And this talks about the just shall live by faith. This has everything to do with when he returns, and we are completely, completely saved, spirit, soul, and body. All right, so that, think about how this affects you, living by faith. The just shall live by faith. It's all about your justification. It's about your walk with God, and it's about the finality of your salvation when you are completely and totally like Him. All right? See, faith is what gives you all of that reality. That's why we have to keep talking about this over and over. It's your beginning, it's your now, and, it's, and it takes you all the way to the end. So, these words that Habakkuk penned here, and then Paul took those and and. and, and formed, a, I mean, just put the whole New Testament doctrine around that and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then in 1517, a little Catholic monk got tired of the machine that the Catholic Church had become. That when the Pope announced that you could pay enough money to get your dead relatives out of purgatory, he said, that's enough. That's enough. How can money do anything in that realm? And there is a story that talks about how he was paying penance. And penance for these guys is, is a lot of buffeting and torturing of the body and breaking it down and, you know, uh, little eating and, and having very little and even, even uh, uh, breaking the skin and bleeding or your own sins and transgressions. And he had been reading 
the scriptures, that phrase, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith. And as he said that over and over again, everything that he was doing all of a sudden made no sense. All of these religious gyrations, none of it made sense anymore. None of it had life anymore. When the scripture became real, the just shall, if, if I'm living by faith, this is not living by faith. This is living out of fear and condemnation and shame and guilt. This is no life. And that little monk by the name of Martin Luther stood up and decided that he was going to <clears throat> challenge the Pope to a debate. So he wrote out what is known as the 95 Theses. That's a 95-point sermon. You thought I preached long. <laughs> this guy, ooh. And he nailed it to the Wittenberg Castle door, challenging the Pope to a debate. And that's when the Reformation was born, the Reformation which we are still to this day living in. Next year will be 500 years ago. This phrase, the just shall live by faith. A marvelous, marvelous thought. That's what I want to remind you of tonight, and that's the biggest memo I want you to take home. Because the moment you start to get into trying to perform for God and you, try to, you begin to form your prayers around, okay, God, I'm coming to you again, and I think if I come to you enough, maybe you'll hear me. Or maybe if I can get these certain things right. No, 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 no. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Well, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Thank you, Lord. A lot of the prayer sounds like this. Thank you, Lord. You know what I have needed before I ask. You provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that you sent your word and you healed me and you delivered me from my destruction. Thank you that all your promises are in Christ, yes, and in him, amen. Thank you, Father God that you are with me, that you are a very present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, that I can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, for your word that is life to me and it is health to all my... Are you hearing me? Now we're talking, okay? Uh, and, and the just who live by faith live in victory. They live in victory every day of their lives because faith is the victory. So in the meantime, in, this, in these dark moments of our lives, the greatest thing that we can offer up in that moment is praise to our God. So that we, we remind ourselves and the enemy out there that we're not governed by circumstances. Huh? He's the one who's worthy of our praise. So I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mind. Come on, won't you just lift up an offer of, offer him a, a praise of thanksgiving now. Just all, let him hear your voice tonight. Tell him, tell him what, thank you for what he's done for you. Thank you for who he is in you. Thank you that he has saved you. Just let him hear your praise tonight. Offer a, it's a sweet smelling aroma to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just release any anxieties, any worries, any strains in your life. 
a, a, a weariness. Jesus said, come to me, those of you who are weighed down with life. Come here. Let me make an exchange with you. Here's my burden. Here's my yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Thank you, Lord, for that. We cast our cares upon you now, Lord, because you care for us. Thank you, Lord. This, isn't, this, is not, this heaviness is not from you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So, Lord, we just give this to you. Thank you, Lord. We let you take this so that we can get some sleep tonight. You're going to be up anyway. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for rest for weary souls tonight. Thank you for joy unspeakable and full of glory, a laughter that will come in and take the sighing and the crying out. Hallelujah. That will be exchanged, Lord. Lord, that you'll turn their feet into dancing, Lord. They're mourning into joy. Thank you now, God. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you because you chose us. You accepted us. You loved us. You called us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do not, let me say this tonight. I felt the Lord just give me this scripture. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, Habakkuk ends with a psalm, a song, actually, a song of praise that he says at the very end should be played on stringed instruments. Yeah, I think so, too. All the guitar pickers said amen? Okay. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom. Watch this. Come on, maybe you can find yourself in this situation. Nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. That is, that all has to do with the works of our hands. The product of our labor. And we see, no, we see nothing. Though the flock may be cut off from the field, from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet, 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 I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So the joy and rejoicing are a choice. Hmm? You're going to have to choose to rejoice. Because when there's no herd in the stalls and nothing's growing in the, in the garden, there's nothing in the bank account. And uh, come on. And, and the, the, there's, no, there's no wine at the party. Huh? When all of those things are void, you're going to have to make a choice. Because all those things that help us feel joy aren't there. So then I'm going to have to move past what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to get into this realm of faith in God. And make myself dance. And make myself clap. And make myself sing. Huh? Nobody can do it for you but you. So I God gave you that voice.
That's why God gave you that choice. And now I thank you for the peace of God and the grace of God to be multiplied to your people from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. I believe for every person here tonight and those listening by podcast that they tonight will experience the best night of sleep they have had yet this year. Tonight. Because we're, we've given this to you. The troubles, the worries, the fears, no, no, no. We take the peace of God and we say that tonight we will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make us dwell in safety. And I declare that in the morning when you rise, you will rise with a song in your heart. And the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. The Spirit of God will sustain you. You will be full of energy and vitality. And you will go about your day singing that psalm of praise to your God. The Lord is wanting to take you in a different route, even tomorrow. I'm, this is to me too, I'm really, I'm, even tomorrow. That if you open your mouth first thing with praise, first thing, before you say anything else, before you turn the TV on or, or, or anything, just open your mouth, just lead your path, lead your day in praise. And something's going, things are going to be broken off. Things are going to be moved and, and things are going to get easier. Stride, you're going to find that there's a strength in your stride. Glory to God. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for that. And I thank you, God, that every household here is blessed of God, mightily God, that the favor of God surrounds them as with a shield. And as they go tonight, they go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.